We opened earlier this morning with Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, where Moses said, I call heaven and earth to record against you. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. God has given us his word and he offers choices to us and they will result in life or death. We believe that eternal life is a choice that God's made for us. And we'll spend a few minutes on that point. But there are other choices that God has given to us. We can choose to obey Him and realize the consequences of it in this life, or we can choose to disobey Him and realize consequences as well. Your life is the direct result of choices made for you. If you are philosophical in the least, you will enjoy today if you can meditate and think upon the things we're going to cover. Your life is more out of your control than in your control. Amen. There are more factors influencing your life that are the result of choices made by others than the choices that you make. And how should a Christian respond to that fact is very important for us. God has made choices that affect your life immensely, and others have made choices that affect your life. There's no such thing as fate. Fate is the foolish imagination of pagan philosophers. God is not fate, and human choices are not fate. Faith believes that God is, and God is a rewarder of them that diligently choose Him. Faith, not fate, is what guides a Christian's life. We're going to see the difference between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. You are a pawn in a great drama for the glory of God. And the blessing of some and the punishment of others. Just think about the fact that you are in the house of God this morning, and if you have a heart for it at all, if you have a heart for the worship of God and wanting to hear and learn His Word, it is by a choice that was made for you by God Himself, or you wouldn't be here. There is nothing in a natural man that he can stir up to love the house of God or the things of God. It is by God's choice. Humble yourself and repent of any foolishness in your life. The very fact that we're here together right now is God's choice for us. Brethren, it can be very discouraging and it can be very encouraging to watch the choices others make. It grieves me to watch some of you make choices that are so foolish, selfish, without thought, without the Word of God, that result in the pain and trouble that comes into your lives because of those choices. And I believe that that's true of many of you as well. I see you make wise choices. You seek counsel. You're cautious and sober. You're committed and zealous. And it's encouraging. Because Moses was right. There's life and blessing for those that choose right. And there is death and cursing for those that choose foolishly. Moses was not talking about eternal life in heaven or eternal destruction in hell when he wrote Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. He was talking about what's going to happen to your life in this world based on your choices. God made choices that affect you. Others make choices that affect you. 
and you have choices to make that will affect you. Let's first of all look at God's choices. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Oh, I love Psalm 33. The thoughts of his heart. Does God have thoughts in his heart? Oh, he does. And the thoughts of his heart extend to a thousand generations. They cannot be overthrown. They bring the counsel of the heathen to naught and the devices of the people to nothing. And they favor his people. And they bless and reward those who will follow his manual. Love his thoughts. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3, we can see that God made many and enormous choices. The earth could have been a cube, but it was round, and it is round, because God made a choice that for the earth, He liked round, spherical shape more than a cube. Think about it. Are you a philosopher? Think about it. You know, the philosophers that have lived in the past thought the earth was a plate held on the back of a monster. And if you were to go far enough, you'd fall off the edge and boom, be swallowed by the monster. Now, that's how deep they get. Now, listen, I want to say one thing about them. They were wiser than our PhDs today who say that it all evolved from cosmic gases that exploded, which resulted in reproductive beauty and the unity and infinite DNA wisdom and packages that make up life. I'll give more to those who thought we were on the back of a monster. At least they had something bigger than them in the universe. Evolutionists don't want anything bigger than them. Because they want to make the rules. Genesis 1. We can't take too much time here. But in verse 3 it says, let there be light. God could have chosen to leave the universe in darkness. But he said, let there be light. And there was light. God made so many choices. You have a belly button because God made a choice that you were going to have a belly button. And philosophers like to ask, Christian philosophers, and I hope they don't labor on this more than two seconds... Did Adam have a belly button? But God made choice. Everything about you, God made choice. God made men and women. There could have been three sexes. There could have been five. There were two. Last Sunday we learned that for one man, God made one woman. He didn't make multiple women, so we reject polygamy. He didn't make multiple men for one woman, so we reject polyandry. He didn't make one man for another man, so we reject sodomy. He didn't make one woman for one woman, so we reject lesbianism. We trust the Word of God. We see what God made. And we see all the choices that He's made for us. And we live according to them. If you were to continue to read on down through here, you would see that He tested our first parents. And they blew the test. And He made a choice that upon their success or failure in that test would result in life or death for the race that would descend from them which we might be able to calculate at something around 80 billion souls since the creation of the world. 80 billion souls have suffered the consequences of sickness and death because God chose to give one test to our first parents. 
And if you don't like what I'm saying, then choose to live forever. You are going to die and your death is going to be ugly. Because of our first parents, because God chose to give them a test in the Garden of Eden. And then that same God chose to put up a flaming cherubim to keep the way of the tree of life so that they could not get back into the garden to eat the fruit off the tree of life and live forever. If you were to continue to read, you would find out that a woman's going to have trouble in childbirth. And a woman ought to trust in the Lord when she comes to the time of giving birth. The sorrow that she has in conception and pregnancy, morning sickness and nausea, delivery of the baby, is by God's choice because she was a fool in the Garden of Eden. But the Lord can deliver her and take care of her just as He's delivered her from all the consequences of that choice through the second Adam that was born of a woman. Do you know that our salvation came out of conception and childbirth? The Lord Jesus Christ, conceived by the Holy Ghost in a virgin named Mary. Thank you, Lord. If you were to continue to read, you're going to find out that going to work this evening by flying to California is a pain. But the Lord's chosen that because we listened to our wives in the Garden of Eden and shouldn't have. We shouldn't have let our wife talk to the devil in the Garden of Eden. God made choices and they affect our lives. Do you know what kind of an effect I'm talking about right now? You are going to die. I can read what kind of clothing we ought to wear. That our first parents were made naked and were not ashamed. But after they sinned, they were ashamed. They tried to cover themselves with aprons. And I see efforts being made like that today to think that clothing yourself with a little tiny apron is enough. A little pair of short shorts and a crop top. Maybe we could call that an apron. But the Lord made them coats of skins. Because the Lord chose their clothing. Then I find out that He chose their diet. He told them what they could and should eat. He told them what to do. God made so many choices for us. Let me ask you this one. Did God ask you before you came into existence if you wanted existence? Why do you exist? Please follow me, and I do speak this reverently. I do not think it fair. Humanly speaking, for God to give me existence without asking me if I wanted existence. What, what gives him the right to make me exist with all the pain, fear, trouble, disappointment, disillusionment, discouragement, depression, anger that I have to endure in a lifetime without him even asking if I wanted to exist? I speak as a fool. Because God is God. And He has made choices for you. And He's given you existence. And if you think you gave yourself existence, then live forever. God gave you existence and He didn't give you an off button. Do you wish there was an off button sometimes? If you think that suicide's an off button, try it. Suicide ain't no off button. It's an on button for pain. If you think this life is hard, try suicide and see what the next one's like for someone that's a self-murderer that enters into eternity. God made choices. They're huge. They're huge. 
Do you know what we do to those choices? We submit and give God the glory. Amen. We fall down at His feet and say, I'm, thank- I'm thankful that I'm five foot nine inches tall instead of six foot four like some of you big guys. We say thank you for giving me red hair and not giving me blonde or brunette hair. Everything you've done is good and right, and I bless and praise your holy name. I thank you that I was born to die, and I thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who has saved me from death and the grave. We humble ourselves before the God of heaven, and we bless and praise his holy name. And we submit to him when it rains, and we had planned a picnic. We submit to Him when the sun shines and we had planned for rain on a garden. We humble ourselves before Him. When you wish a day had 25 hours in it, you thank God there's only 24. Because sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Everything that God has made is good and very good. And blessed be His holy name. We freely acknowledge that we are creatures. He is the potter and we are the clay. He gave you existence and didn't ask you what kind of an existence you wanted or even if you wanted it in general. He just made you. He chose your parents, your nation, your your time of origin, your ability, your intelligence, your coordination, your opportunities, everything about you He chose. He chose the shape of your head. He chose the dexterity of your fingers. He chose whether you were left-handed or right-handed. He chose... He is the potter and we are the clay. Blessed be his holy name. He chose Abraham out of the Chaldean city of Ur. And said, I want you to move 500 miles and try living in the land of Canaan as a nomad. He made a choice and what a wonderful choice it was. And Abraham was found faithful before him. He chose Israel from among all the peoples of the earth. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, God makes choices. And those choices are far-reaching. That's why we fear Him. Those pagans that go to our public zoos and sit there and learn about evolution, there is no Creator God. There is no foundation. They have no explanation for anything. They do not know where they came from. They do not know how they got here. They do not know where they're going. And they do not know the origin of death. We not only know the origin of death, we know the cure for death. I repeat that often because I never want you to forget it. They know nothing. We know everything. Because the Bible tells me so. I know where death came from. I know that death is not God's plan for the universe for you and me. Because He's defeated death through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He is a living God And he will have living souls with him for eternity. We know it all. Because of the Bible. If it weren't for the Bible, we'd be lost as as much as they are. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. And I can read so many passages that say the same thing or similar things to this. This is God's choice of the nation of Israel. He started with Abraham. He blessed Abraham and Sarah to have Isaac way past childbearing age for both of them. Then he blessed Isaac to have Jacob and Esau. And he blessed and loved Jacob and hated Esau. And he blessed Jacob to have 12 sons. 
that made up the twelve tribes of Israel. Deuteronomy 7, 6, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, is what verse 8 explains as the basis for his choice. Notice verse 6. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. That is God's choice. You know, there's a whole religious world today that wants to reject God's choice and say that it's your choice if you are God's special people. Israel didn't choose to be God's special people. God made them His special people by His choice for them. There's no evidence Abram even knew God in Ur of the Chaldeans. God just called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldeans and brought him into the land of Canaan and made a great nation out of him. Those children didn't have a choice to whom they were born. They were born to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the twelve tribes of Israel. God made choice. And you know, they say that it's not fair for God to have a special people unto himself above other people. When they say it's not fair, they mean that God should have all people special to himself. I say it's not fair for God to have special people for himself. Because the way we've treated him since the Garden of Eden, there shouldn't be anyone special, but we should all be sent to hell. They say it's not right for God to hate Esau. I say it's not fair for God to love Jacob. It's not fair. It's pure grace. It's pure mercy. It's pure choice. God's choice. Thank God He made a choice. If He'd have left us up to our choice, we chose death in the Garden of Eden. We had life and death offered to us in perfect parents. Trust me, the only ones the world has ever seen. Perfect parents, without sin, without a sin nature. And they chose death for all their descendants. They chose death for their family. And depraved parents have chose death for their children ever since. By neglect... By error, by drunkenness, by drugs, by violence, by abuse. But our first parents chose death for all of us. And thank God that he made a choice against that choice to choose some to be his special people. He didn't need to choose all. If you would have been God, no one would have been saved. He chose Israel. He chose them for greatness because he loved them. How did he love them? Because he had set his love upon them. He chose them for prosperity and success. He gave them a land flowing with milk and honey. He gave them a land with cities and houses full of good things. The book of Deuteronomy tells us. He chose Cyrus the Persian. He raised up Cyrus the Persian by name in Isaiah 44, Isaiah 45, 150 years before the poor man was born. He raised up a Persian that would come and overthrow the Babylonian Empire by marching his army through the dry riverbed of the Euphrates into the city of Babylon. 
because God loved Israel and chose them. And he says that Cyrus is my anointed. I have chosen him and sent him. He will do my work for me and deliver my people. You know, the Bible tells us that he shortened Jerusalem's destruction in 70 A.D. for the sake of the elect. For the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. The elect had fled the city of Jerusalem and were living in the mountains of Judea round about the city of Jerusalem, just as Jesus had told them to do. Flee under the mountains when you see the armies encompass Jerusalem. And he shortened the days so that they did not starve and famish while they were in those mountains, but were delivered because God made those choices. God chose to shorten the days of the destruction of Jerusalem for the sake of his people. When we look at the nation of Israel and we look at their worship and their leadership, God chose them. God chose Moses. God chose Moses and he sent him to 40 years of education in the Egyptian government. He was mighty in word and deed, Acts chapter 7 tells us. He chose the tribe of Levi to serve him in the tabernacle. And anyone that didn't like his choice, the earth would open up her mouth and swallow them alive. Do you remember? Korah one time stood up and said, Moses, you take too much upon you. Don't you know the rest of the congregation is holy? Moses never wanted that job. (laughs) Read the life of Moses. Moses stepped back and said, Lord, I haven't taken one thing from them, nor did I ever want this job. And God said, stand back and tell those people that I'm going to do something new in the earth to prove that you were the one that I chose. And the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed men, women, children alive. Because God had made a choice and men were rebelling and rejecting that choice. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. This one's going to be hard for you, but let's just grip and grin and bear it. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 24. Israel has just chosen their first king as Saul, the son of Kish, out of the tribe of Benjamin. 1 Samuel 10, 24. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom the Lord hath chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. The expression, God save the king, was not written in a manual for public performance for the nation of England. It resulted from a people under God who submitted to God's choice for them in King Saul becoming their king in 1 Samuel 10:24 Now God does not send send Samuel to anoint either Senator McCain, Senator Clinton, or Senator Obama. The Lord's going to raise them up one of them likely by other means. And guess what we're going to have to say? God save the president. Right. Meaning God bless and defend our president. What a pitiful choice. It is pitiful from all human respects. However, he bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. Let them do what they will. His people can still prosper under them. Oh, it is no harder for you than it is for me if you think that I'm ignorant and just simply overlook 
what goes on in our government. You are wrong. It's a choice I make by faith. I told my one son I have left at home last night some very unruly things that I would be doing if it weren't for the grace of God that had given me faith to trust that he is able to overrule the foolishness and maliciousness of our government. Let's just leave that one alone and continue to trust the Lord. You know, after, after Saul, who was it? Who was the next king? David. Do you know that David said, out of all Israel, he chose Judah. Out of all Judah, he chose Jesse's family. Out of all Jesse's family, he chose, how many sons were there? Eight. Out of all of Jesse's eight sons, he chose me because he liked me. First Chronicles 28.4 Because he liked me. Do you know why you're here today? Because he likes you. Because the God of heaven likes you. Let's love him in return. Let's worship and praise him in return. What a wonderful statement in the word of God. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. God makes choices. And God's made huge choices from the beginning. Throughout the Bible, it's choices. How can anyone read about Israel and not believe in election? Right. He picked one nation at the expense of all the rest. Right. He told the one nation to go annihilate the rest. In the land of Egypt, he killed all the firstborn of all the Egyptians after nine other plagues and destroyed the nation, drowned their army in the Red Sea. And let his people, though they were as unbelieving and as unfaithful and complaining as you could imagine, he led them into the land of promise. The Bible's full of election. Why is one man tall and one man short? Why is one man smart and one man dumb? Why is one man coordinated and another not? Don't you recall sixth grade phys ed? When the uncoordinated boys of the seventh grade, eighth grade... When the uncoordinated ones aren't chosen for war ball? Did you ever have any compassion in your heart? Got so many homeschoolers in here, you don't even know what I'm talking about. But Listen, if you had a heart at all, you wanted to reverse the order. God made all those choices. There were some that couldn't throw a ball if you gave them a big slingshot. There were some that wouldn't even see it coming. You hit him right in the face. War at the seventh grade level because of the difference God, differences God made in his choices. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Look at this point. Deuteronomy 5.32. Ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. Ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Deuteronomy 5.32, guess what? He chooses how we worship. God's already made a choice how we worship, and we don't have the right to choose the left hand or the right hand. We only have the right to follow on after what he told us, and that's why we try to do in this church what God told us to do, because he said, I've made the choice of how you worship. You can't come up with anything better than I want. No matter how much you may like it or I may like it, it's not better than what God wants. And so we do it His way. We don't turn to the left or the right. That's what the Bible says. God's chosen. 
He chose his people. He chose how they were to worship him. He chose the priests that were to lead them. And if you didn't like that, the earth would swallow you. One time, Miriam, Moses' sister, spoke against Moses. What happened to her right there on the spot? She turned into a leper. You want to talk about a disease? Leprosy that eats you up from the outside in. So you're as ugly as can be while it eats you alive. And there was no cure. And there Miriam stood because she had opened her mouth against her brother Moses. And God begged for her life. And God said, okay, I won't kill her. But kick her out of the camp for seven days and let her be under quarantine and separated and isolated from the people because of what she's done. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12, God's choices. Do you know how much your life is God's choice? Your grandparents? You have four grandparents. God handpicked every one of them. The choices they made in your life, who they were, where they were born, where, where they lived, their education, the effects on your life are enormous. Deuteronomy 12:5. But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall ye seek, and thither thou shalt come. God chose where he was to be worshipped. And if there's literally hundreds, hundreds of this expression in the Bible. And you read it many times because you couldn't worship God wherever you wanted. I remember once when I was a 12-year-old boy, the worst drunk and wife beater in the whole community had killed himself in a motorcycle accident. And my father took me to the funeral because he lived in the community. And the, and the preacher stood up there and said, we believe that Bob probably found the Lord while he was out hunting on those Sundays drunk, as everybody knew that was sitting there. But Bob probably found the Lord out there. No, you can't worship God wherever you want to. You can't be a fisherman on Sundays and say that you're worshiping God out there, casting your line in for your next one. And throughout the Bible, where God was to be worshipped. You had to go to Shiloh. You had to go to Jerusalem. Because that's where he's to be worshipped. And the New Testament would tell us not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Because God's told us to assemble with his saints that that is where he's worshipped. I might be able to think with myself, and you might be able to do that with yourself, that we can worship God just as well at home, sitting out on the back deck with a glass of juice and a Bible this morning and music play. But God chose the assembly of his saints. He chose where, he chose how, he chose whom. He chose who's going to be here. Did you know that every member of a church is by God's choice? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Oh, he makes choices. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the church, in the body, as it hath pleased him. 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. 
Every member that is in the body of a local church is there because God chose them to be there. You say, but I don't like some of them. That's why they're there. That's why they're there. And as soon as you learn that, it helps a great deal. We're all different for a reason. To see if we can forbear and forgive and love and serve one another. There'd be no trial of your faith nor exercise of your virtue if we were all like you. You would just come for fun. Now we get to come for pain and service. I hope you know how I mean that. Oh, brethren, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Do you know what kind of a choice is in Ephesians chapter 1? It's a bigger choice. He chose to create us. He chose to give our parents a test in Eden. He chose to allow them to ruin it. But He chose to save us from that ruin. And it tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. Verse 3 tells us that all spiritual blessings are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that God chose us in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world to have all those spiritual blessings. If you had read the first three quarters of the Bible called the Old Testament, you would have seen God's elective choice so many times that by the time you got to Ephesians 1, you wouldn't be surprised a bit. But for those people that are hardly ever taught the Bible, instead they sing little choruses over and over and over again and listen to a praise band, they don't really get the message. And no one ever preaches Ephesians 1-4 to them, so they don't know anything about election. And it seems so unfair to them. But the Bible tells us so. And so we see this choice that God chose the Ephesian saints in the Lord Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I didn't really want to leave Ephesians 1 yet because he said, it, it tells us there that he did it according to the good pleasure of his own will. Right. It's not the choice and will of sinners that gets them saved. It's the choice and will of God that saves them. Amen. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 But we are bound to give thanks Always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord. Just like Israel was loved by God because God set his love on them, so the Thessalonian saints were beloved of God because God had set His love on them. He had chosen them from the beginning, the beginning of the world, to be saved through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth from the damning lies of the man of sin of the context, which is verses 9 through 12, that tell us the strong delusion sent upon others who have no love for the truth. We're bound to give thanks. Do you know what we do for God's choices in our lives? We're bound to give thanks. You say, but what about the evil choices? There are no evil choices in your life. 
my God has this to say about Himself. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is He. Don't tell me about bad choices God's made in your life. I'll tell you about bad choices your relatives made in your life. And I'll tell you about bad choices you've made in your life. But don't tell me about God making bad choices. Don't you ever be angry at God. That is so profane and so wicked. God's never done an evil thing towards you. The Bible tells me, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. That means God chooses to have mercy on whomever he chooses. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Romans 9.15 Listen to the words. I will. This is the greatest will in the universe. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. That is Romans 9.15 And in case you didn't get the lesson, verse 16 says this. So then... If God's four wills are in verse 15, we have this in 16. So then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. If you ever have mercy, it's because God chose to have mercy on his choice of you. If you ever have God's compassion in your life, it's because God chose to have compassion on his choice of you. And it is not of you that wills or chooses, but of God. When we read about being born again, we read in John 1.13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. The will of man is not involved, the will of the flesh is not involved, but of God. John 1.13. That's how we're born again. And what a blessing. No wonder Second Thessalonians 2.13 says we are bound to give thanks. No, I can't leave that subject. If it's bothering you, give him thanks and maybe I'll get over it. We don't give him enough thanks for his choice of us. You know what it said back there? The belief of the truth. Look at Acts 16. That you ever had a preacher come and tell you the truth? Do you know what Elihu said how rare they are? One in a thousand. Job 33? If you've got that, if you, if you're blessed to have that one man in a thousand there to tell you that God has a ransom for you. In Job 33, that's a great blessing. Second Thessalonians 2.13 was more about truth than it was eternal life. That God had chosen them from the beginning to be saved from what he said the man of sin was going to bring upon the earth. Let me just give you a few examples, and you've heard some of these before. Some of you haven't. Acts 16, we're with Paul. Let's start at 6. Acts 16, 6. Luke is writing, and Paul is about to meet Luke right here in, in Acts 16 at the city of Troas because he changes to we. But he's talking about they because it's Paul and his companions. Acts 16, 6, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. 
And they passing by, Messiah came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed to him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Paul is in the middle of Turkey. In the middle of Turkey, he tries to go north. He's going west. He's come from Antioch of Syria, and he's in Turkey. He's coming from the, he's coming from the east, going west, and he tries to go north, and the Lord doesn't let him. The Holy Ghost forbids him in verse 6. He tries to go south, but the Spirit doesn't permit him, leaving only one direction, west. And he has a, a vision that night that a man from Macedonia in the west, that's Greece, that's the northern half of Greece, says, come over and help us. And so we immediately endeavored to go to Macedonia, knowing that the Lord wanted us to preach there. Do you know what? It, now think about the individuals. Give me a woman's name. I want a name. Lydia. Lydia was saved by Paul's preaching and converted by the preaching of the gospel because Paul ran into her at a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. Give me a man's occupation that was delivered in this 16th chapter and his whole family. The jailer, the Philippian jailer. God makes choices to send his preachers. Was there once an Ethiopian eunuch in the middle of the desert in a chariot? Did the Lord, was the Lord able to get to him? Amen. The Lord was able to find him. Was there ever an Italian seven miles from where the gospel was being preached against the city of Rome? And was there a Cornelius that found out about it by way of a satellite? Yes. An angel appeared to the Cornelius in the Bible, Acts chapter 10, and told him where to go and who to get. Because the Lord sends us preachers, bless and praise His holy name. Of all, of all those that followed the Lord Jesus Christ, He chose twelve to be His apostles. One of them was a devil. He chose them. He said, I have chosen you. Ye have not chosen me. John fifteen sixteen. He told them, make sure you have the order right. I have chosen you. Ye have not chosen me. Praise His name. He sends Paul west instead of north or south. And do you know what? He sent the gospel to us as well. But I want you to know that when God chooses you and blesses you and sends blessings like that upon you, He expects you to use them. Find Ezekiel 20, please. Ezekiel chapter 20. When God shows us so much mercy by saving us and sending us the truth, and opening our hearts like he opened the heart of Lydia. You know, God made a choice to open the heart of Lydia. What about the rest of the women in the city of Philippi? He opened the heart of Lydia. Acts 16.14 tells us that. When God makes choices like that, we better take that blessing and use it. Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 5. Ezekiel 25. Ezekiel say this to them. Thus saith the Lord God. In the day when I chose Israel and lifted up mine hand unto the seed of the house of Jacob and made myself known unto them in the land of Egypt, when I lifted up mine hand unto them, saying, I am the Lord your God. In the day that I lifted up mine hand unto them to bring them forth of the land of Egypt, 
into a land that I had espied for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. Then said I unto them, Cast ye away every man the abominations of his eyes, and defile not yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me, and would not hearken unto me. They did not every man cast away the abominations of their eyes. Neither did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury upon them to accomplish my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I wrought for my namesake that it should not be polluted before the heathen among whom they were, in whose sight I made myself known unto them in bringing them forth out of the land of Egypt. May I summarize? God said, Ezekiel, you tell them, I chose them of all peoples of the earth. And I lifted up my hand to them and said, I am the Lord your God. I revealed myself to Israel and became their God. I picked for them the glory of all lands, the best nation they could have. And I gave them a few requirements that they were to throw away idols and worship me, that I was their Lord. But they didn't do it. And I said, I'm going to pour out my fury upon them. But the only reason I got them to the land of Canaan was because I didn't want to shame myself in the sight of the other nations. Because those other nations knew that I had revealed myself to Israel, so I had to get them to Canaan, or it would look like I couldn't get them there. Are you, are you, did, you, did you see all? I hope you saw all that. He's explaining, I blessed them, and they wouldn't take my blessing and use it, so I had promised to pour out my fury upon them. And brethren, if you want to read something ugly, it's the rest of this chapter. When God blesses us, when God gives you an opportunity to hear the truth, you better run for it. You better lay hold of it with both hands. You better love it. Look what he did to them. Ezekiel 20 and verse 25. Wherefore, you can see the because in verse 24. Because they had not executed my judgments. Because they didn't obey him. Verse 25. Wherefore, I gave them also statutes that were not good, and judgments whereby they should not live. And I polluted them in their own gifts, in that they caused to pass through the fire all that openeth the womb, that I might make them desolate to the end, that they might know that I am the Lord. If you don't want to hear preaching that tells you that Jesus Christ is Lord, then God is able to get you down on your face ruined. Do you know what he gave them? He gave them statutes different than the word of God. He gave them statutes from the pagan nations around them so that every child that opened a woman's womb, they put it in the fire to Molech and to other gods. God gave them that. God gave them over to a reprobate mind because they didn't use their minds. They didn't use their feet and hands to do what God had told them to do. He had been so good to them, but they were so wicked and rebellious to him. God is able to ruin your life worse than you can imagine. God chose us to bear fruit. You know, not only has He saved you, God chose all the various features of your life. You know, when the Bible tells us that Rachel and Leah looked differently, Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored, God makes those choices. 
Since this is true, you should never complain about what you are, nor ever envy anyone else, because God made the choice. The greatest contentment in the world is from trusting a benevolent creator God. Getting angry with God is profane, rebellion, and wickedness. God chose your parents, the consequences of which are hardly calculable. The influence of your parents and grandparents is so great. If your parents fear God or feared God while they were alive, give thanks to the God of heaven for such a blessing. If your parents didn't fear God or do not fear God, give thanks to the same God for saving you from them. Both cases, God is to be praised. God chooses to bless or hinder your efforts. You know, the Bible tells us if you're planning to go into a city and, and open up a new jo- take a new job or open up a new business, in James chapter 4, it's described for us, we will go into such and such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Oh, no. We are supposed to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Oh, why? Because God makes choices. God can make a choice that you can be taken from a slave trading block like Joseph was in Egypt and put on the throne of Egypt. God can make a choice that you can be on a slave trading block like Daniel in the land of Babylon and take, taken to the throne of Babylon. So that you're one of the top personages in the empire of Babylon for 70 years. You can be an orphan taken captive like Esther and put on the throne of Persia. God bless his efforts. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directs his steps because God makes the choices of the details. You want to be an accountant? Then apply yourself from your heart as well as you can, reasonably so, to be an accountant. Mark, I'm thinking about you. Daniel, thinking about you. And the Lord will direct the steps. If you put him first, he can make choices the likes of which you've never seen. Those of us who are older than you have seen them before. The Lord can open doors and close doors that are precious. Can't he? I'm thinking of an older accountant. Did he close a door? Called U.S. Shelter? Did he open a door? The Lord is good. And he makes choices that are enormous for us. We just apply a man's heart deviseth his way, and the Lord directs his steps. Did he do okay with Ruth? She devised a way that to, to survive as a widow was to go glean fields. Did she end up okay? Did she get to marry a rich man who loved her very much, and she had a little baby named David, who eventually was the father of Jesus Christ? Was that okay for a Moabitess widow? What did she have to do with it? She devised in her heart that to support her and her widowed mother-in-law, Naomi, she'd go glean fields. We trust a great God. He can bless or hinder your efforts. He wants you to submit to him, and he'll choose your delusions and fears if you don't submit to him. If you don't make him first in your life... He'll bring trouble into your life, and in the day of your calamity, he'll laugh and mock at you. That's what Proverbs 1 teaches us. And if you read the Word of God last night, you know it's there. God chooses the circumstances of your life. But it doesn't matter if you're a little orphan girl like Esther. 
It doesn't matter if you're a widowed woman like Ruth. Look what God did for them. But I'll tell you something about those women. They loved the Lord. Amen. They trusted in His mercy. And God was very good to them. How do we know about Ruth? Because Naomi said this to Ruth and her sister Orpah. I'm going back to Israel. You two girls stay here. I don't have anything to offer you. You two girls stay here. I'm going back. Orpah said, bye-bye. And went back to Moab. Ruth said, how in the world could I possibly leave you? I want your God to be my God and your people to be my people. And where you're buried, I want to be buried. If you don't have goosebumps, you have a problem. That's from the Word of God. I'm not a storyteller. I'm a Bible preacher. That's from the Word of God. Precious story. And wow, was she taken care of. Praise the Lord. She happed on the field of Boaz, the most eligible man in Israel. And her great-grandson was David. The Bible says in the day of adversity, rejoice. In the day of, the day of prosperity, rejoice. In the day of adversity, consider. Because the Lord makes choices to send both kinds of days into our lives that we won't find anything after Him. That we'll always be looking to Him for His blessing toward us. If God chooses a role for you, do it with your might. Paul told Timothy that he should endure hardness as a good soldier, that he might please him who had called him to be that soldier. Whatever God's called you to do, do with your might, because God's made a choice for you, and let's take that choice and run with it. God will honor those that honor him. It's his choice. Isn't that wonderful? God's given some commandments that if you'll do them, he'll bless you. If you'll honor your parents, it'll be a great blessing to your life. You'll live longer and you'll live better if you'll honor your parents. He teaches that in Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. He told, he told Samuel to tell Eli, Them that honor me, I will honor. And them that despise me, I will lightly esteem. That is a figure of speech, meaning he would tear them to shreds, which he did to the house of Eli, and cut off his whole family tree. Because he did not with zeal follow the Lord. Brethren, those are God's choices in our lives. We thank him. We are bound to give thanks always. How often? Always. To whom? To God. Why? Because we are brethren beloved of the Lord, chosen from the beginning to salvation. We are bound to give thanks. We submit to his choices for us. The parents he gave us. The grandparents. The place we were born. The height. The width. Whatever. We submit to it, and we're contented because God made the choice. What role He gives us, we do the best we can with it. We devise a way in our heart, and we trust Him to make choices in the details, because He will. He's a glorious God. He's created the whole earth. Everything is the work of His hands, except the sin and trouble that's around us, which is the work of our own. And He is going to overwhelm all of that, and He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness, and there's no sin at all. Brethren, these are God's choices for us. When we come back after our break this morning, we will consider the choices that others make on our behalf and how we should face those and the kind of choices that we ought to make. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.